I don't know if I should say this, but the British would probably say this like a twat. Sounds so, like a twat. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> like a right old twat, mate. If you don't keep it, I will show up to your house with two baseball bats this time. And a nine iron? And a nine iron. <laughs> I will triple wield. Don't ask me how. It will be done. I don't care for him. That's for true. Me flatmate agrees with me. We were having a couple the other day. Like a twat. Watching the telly. Like a twat. Eating some biscuits. Like a twat. Okay. And I see um, this mate. I see this bloke. And I say, that bloke's a twat, mate. <laughs> <laughs> On Tuesday, April 4th, Wisconsin will have one of the most consequential elections it's had in recent years. The future of abortion access, voting rights, fair maps, and more in the state will be decided by an obscure, off-year spring election that will likely have much reduced turnout compared to last November. Among other things, whether or not Wisconsin's archaic 1849 law banning almost all forms of abortion in the state remains in effect, will be determined by this race's outcome. We've been here before. In spring of 2019, conservative candidate Brian Hagedorn narrowly defeated liberal candidate Lisa Neubauer by 6,000 votes of over 1.2 million cast, further consolidating conservative control of the court and ensuring that the Republican-drawn maps that heavily favored the GOP for the 2020s decade would stay in place later during litigation over them. These elections may be oddly timed and have lower turnout than midterm and presidential elections. But make no mistake, they still matter quite a lot. Damn, what a <coughs> what a fantastic read of an introduction by our by our friend Emerson. Thanks. Give him a round of applause. Thank you. Uh, welcome I can back. Hear the applause. Uh, yes. Yes, I can too. Uh, welcome back, etc. cetera. Uh, I know we've been silent for a bit. We had a bit of a, a hiccup with our production over our last pod. So that'll be coming out as like a from, from the archives pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be like a recap of the 2022 midterms. We recorded it in December. So if it sounds a little, uh, a little dated, it's because it because is. It is. But, when Connell uh, says hiccup, he means I just didn't do it for, way I too mean, long. I also took a while to like review <laughs> the edit. Like, well, it, it's collective responsibility. Yeah. Collective, um, collective sleepiness, uh, winter, you know, hi- we were hibernating a little bit. Yeah. Yes. And now the bears have emerged. I guess I shouldn't say the Bears because people might think of like the Chicago team, but well, we're a different type of bear. Yeah, the we're Wisconsin bear. Bears. All right, the Green Bay Bears. <laughs> the Green Bay Bears. <laughs> that might get you punched in some bars. <laughs> All right, so we're going to spare you my lengthy meandering and make this a shorter pod. So, uh, as was alluded to in our lovely introduction. Wisconsin has off-year spring elections pretty much every year, where immensely consequential votes for school board, city council, and so on take place. Um, The big marquee races in these off-year elections tend to be our Supreme Court races, um, because they're often seen as a sort of barometer for the broader political mood, especially in a very, very important swing state. Um... 
you know, I'm going to be honest, as an aside, I think if you wanted to create a lot of election fatigue and ensure lower turnout in your elections, this would probably be the way to do it. I mean, I'm a politics junkie, and I'm I'm a, I'm a little sick of electioneering after we just had the midterms not even six months ago. Uh, but regardless, uh, these elections are immensely important, and with this Supreme Court election, we have a lot of good we can do if Janet Protasiewicz wins against Daniel Kelly. Um, is that the same Dan Kelly who ran uh, once before? Yes, the very same. Uh, we talked about that election some in our 2020 in Wisconsin series when we talked about the presidential race here because that was seen as like a prelude to the uh, to the broader race here. Um, he did end up losing to Jill Karofsky, the liberal candidate, by 11 points. So that narrowed the conservative majority on the court from 5-2 to 4-3. Uh, so what that means is that uh, our current race, Justice Patience Rogensack, is retiring. Um, she is one of the conservative justices on the court. Um, so it's an open seat. So if Kelly wins, conservatives keep 4-3 majority. If uh, Janet Protasiewicz wins, then uh, it becomes a 4-3 liberal majority on the court. Um, so... What one thing I'd say about this in regards to like political trends and all of that, which is something we talk uh, we talk to death on this pod quite a bit. Uh, <clears throat> Wisconsin Supreme Court races tend to closely mirror our partisan trends and voting patterns in the state, despite the fact that these races are officially nonpartisan. There isn't going to be on your ballot, um, you know, a party listed to either of the candidates' names, right? Um, so they are technically nonpartisan, but both the parties and their affiliated PACs and so on uh, weighed into this, right? We've seen a lot of spending in the last few weeks from both sides. Um, you know, conservative PACs are starting to really step in. Big money uh, conservative donors in the state of Wisconsin, like the Uline family, um, they've, they've been spending a lot on Kelly's behalf. Uh, so it's this; these races do attract a lot of attention from these organizations, um, especially this one in particular, because we're in a post-Roe world. Um, and so, you know, abortion now is being mostly fought out at the state level. Uh, so, you know, going back to the whole partisanship thing, uh, liberal candidates tend to win Democratic voting counties in these races, uh, and conservative ones tend to win Republican voting counties. You know, the polarization for these races isn't quite as strong as it is, like, when you have parties involved, uh, but it's definitely there, right? Like, if you look at the 2019 map for the Supreme Court race, if you look at the 2020 map for the Supreme Court race, uh, there there are very few surprises in terms of who won where, um, you know, but it might be, like, also a question of margins, right? Like... You know, if you're a Democrat in Wisconsin or a liberal Supreme Court candidate in Wisconsin and you're getting, you know, 35 percent in a rural area versus like 40, 45 percent, you know, that can be immensely consequential for your overall performance. Likewise, if you're a conservative candidate and, you know, you're getting, I don't know, 30, 29 percent in Milwaukee County versus like 35 percent in Milwaukee County, again, that can be very, very consequential for your overall performance. And meanwhile, the People's Republic of Dane County continues to trend ever more away from the Republican Party. I mean, it's actually incredible. Uh, the Republicans mm -hmm. think they've they've hit the the bottom there, and then they just keep doing worse. 
like happened in 2022. Both Barnes and Evers, the top ticket candidates, did better than Joe Biden did in Dane County. And Joe Biden did the best of any Democratic presidential candidate ever in Dane County. So the People's uh, Republic of Dane County, it's its own place, man. I mean, I don't, I don't live there, but I've been there a lot. It's just got a whole vibe, you know, and, and people are just like, ah, I'm voting. You know, they just love voting. Do they call it's, it the People's Republic of Dane County I, or are you calling it that? I, I'm being facetious. I'm okay. sure some Republicans call it that. I but love like, that. you know, as a way to be derisive, be like, oh, they're communists. But like, <laughs> I mean, dude, they love voting. What can I say? Like, they, they turbocharge their voting turnout there. And it's a huge uh, long term problem for the GOP in the state, actually, is like, they keep keep going lower in Dane County and Dane County is exploding with growth, right? It's not that the, you know, it's not stagnant. There's more people moving there. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know, you know, uh, Tommy Thompson, interestingly, the former governor who uh, was stumping on behalf of Tim Michaels, uh, he uh, made the comment that he thought it was a mistake for Michaels to not campaign in Dane County. Um, Tommy Thompson, for those who don't know, is our governor for four uh, terms, um, and he also ran for Senate in 2012 against Tammy Baldwin. Um, and in his gubernatorial races, he was quite quite the electoral powerhouse. He carried almost every single county in all of his wins. I think there may have been one win where he carried all of them. Um, mm. This was back in the 90s when things were less polarized, but even so, like uh, you, you know, so the guy knows a thing or two about campaigning in Wisconsin. So, you know, he was kind of going against the broader trend of the GOP, you know, making fun of Dane County and hating on Dane County and being like, well, you still need to win votes there. It's like, yeah, dude, what a shocker, right? And can you imagine if Dems were like, actually, we should just say screw the rural counties. We're just going <laughs> to we're just going to focus on campaigning and, you know, Eau Claire, La Crosse, Dane, Milwaukee, whatever, um, you know, so I don't know. I, that, that, I, I promise no tangents, but that was a tangent. There you go. That That's was your, all good. Uh, there's a tangent. That's all good. So, Emerson, um, moving maybe forward, you can um, focus us back. Yes. Um, earlier, we were talking about issues uh, like abortion rights, voting access, uh, fair maps, and so on. So how specifically does the Wisconsin Supreme Court affect those issues? So in general, when there's litigation over these issues, they're going to be heard before our state Supreme Court. Uh, before moving on to a higher level court, if the issue can be litigated in a higher level court, not all issues are eligible to be litigated at higher level courts necessarily. Um, one of the issues at stake in 2022 in Wisconsin's governor's race um, and our attorney general race was the 1849 abortion ban. Um, by the way, can I just mention that 1849 was literally over a decade before the Civil War? Wow. Uh, just to give people a frame of reference for how old this law is. Um, but yeah, Evers and, and Call are pursuing a court challenge to the 1849 ban uh, that will be heard in the near future by our state Supreme Court. Uh, both Tim Michaels and Eric Toney said they would, would enforce the 1849, 1849 law. But since they both lost, the lawsuit challenging the ban has remained in place. So basically what this comes down to is whether or not the court overturns the ban will depend on the on the composition of the court. Um, Janet uh, Pertasiewicz supports ending the ban. Uh, Dan Kelly supports upholding it. 
So basically what we're, what we're looking at in terms of the, the policy question and its implications is if you want a future where abortion is once again accessible in Wisconsin for those who need it and where doctors can live free of the fear of being criminalized for performing it, vote Judge Janet, right? It is that Ooh. simple, right? We are, we are not going to equivocate here. Like if you care about fair maps, if you care about voting rights, if you care about uh, restoring abortion access in the state of Wisconsin— um, and bringing us closer to our other Midwestern peers like Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, all of which have passed very strong abortion protections in the aftermath of Roe being ended, right? You've got to vote for Judge Janet on April 4th or before if you want to early vote. So it is that simple. We are making this an endorsement podcast, uh, but we're trying to like frame the broader issues as to why this election matters so much despite it being so comparatively obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, some other issues that may uh, come before the Supreme Court, um, our state Supreme Court again, include challenges to the GOP's gerrymandered maps, um, issues related to voting access, such as the usage of vote by mail, um, and more. Uh, indeed, uh, relatedly, uh, our state Supreme Court ruled last year, mainly from my impression, because they just felt the vibes were right. Like, they just like the vibe of it. Right? I don't think they had any legal standing, legal grounding to do this, uh, but that ballot drop boxes for your, your absentee mail ballot were not able to be used by Wisconsin municipalities. So uh, if you saw in, in recent months a padlocked ballot drop box in your city or town, maybe it had a sign you know, in big, bold letters saying, do not put ballot ballots here. I mean, I think I think like they've been locked up to make sure that people don't do that. But yeah, like because our our Supreme Court ruled last year that uh, we are not allowed to use those. Um, Insanity. Yeah. Uh, so if you think that's a ridiculous change, which I'd, I'd imagine most listeners to our pod would, um, you can thank our current state Supreme Court for that. Right. That was the it was a four three decision. It was all conservatives in favor, all liberals against. Right. Just one example from recent times of how our state Supreme Court affects our daily lives, um, you know, and then there's, of course, that they recently upheld uh, the GOP's gerrymandered maps last year, um, which in many ways, the the state legislative map in particular, uh, not so much the congressional map, but the state legislative map for assembly was in many ways a worse gerrymander than the 2010s map. So the 2020s state assembly map for Wisconsin was in many ways a worse gerrymander. Um, so, you know, that's another issue that could be relitigated. There could be another court challenge to that map. And if it's heard by, um, you know, a 4-3 liberal court, the chances are we'll get a fair map. It, it will not be a liberal gerrymander, right? It will be a map that is pretty fair. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I, I would say that's another very consequential issue. Like this all like sort of ties together, right? You know, our capacity, our ability to elect pro-choice representatives who will fight for abortion access, right, is also affected by our ability to have fair maps, right? Mm-hmm. So this all sort of interconnects with each other. Um, and that's why these elections are so consequential, you know. What I'd also say is that conservatives have historically had a lot more discipline and focus when it comes to power in the courts, whether at the state or federal level. Um, You know, there was a decades-long effort 
uh, by conservatives, evangelical Christians in particular, who form the, the backbone of a lot of the Republican Party's uh, electoral base, right? This was a decades-long effort to end Roe v. Wade, and it culminated in the Dobbs v. Jackson decision in June of last year, overturning the constitutional right to an abortion, right? So, you know, that in many ways has heightened the importance of these more local elections, because now this is a battle largely being fought out at the state level. Um, so this is a significant opportunity to really bring some measure of people power back to our court system. You know, in my opinion, a vote in this election is one of your greatest opportunities as a Wisconsinite to do more good than in few other elections we've had in recent years. And we've had a lot of really important elections. Like, I don't want to undersell their importance. But I truly do think that uh, a less partisan state Supreme Court would reduce at least some of the polarization we've seen in our state's politics over the last 12-ish years. Um, you know, so I, I really, really want everyone to vote in this election. It is so important. I want people to support Judge Janet for so many reasons. Like, I didn't even get into other reasons to potentially support her on this pod, um, but, you know, there's the big stuff like voting rights, abortion access, fair maps, right? So vote Judge Janet. Early voting has started in Wisconsin, and election day is Tuesday, April 4th. Uh, you can go to www.iwillvote.com WI to check early, uh, early voting locations or your polling place for election day. Uh, and don't forget to bring a photo ID to the polls. Uh, Emerson, I'll give you uh, the closing words here. Oh my gosh. Uh, closing words, closing words. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear my voice. Just kidding. Um, you and... love this. He, he's, my man has another single out. Emerson Island. All right. We're cro- <laughs> we're, this is a cross. This is a crossover episode. Listen to Emerson Island on, on Spotify. Thanks, Connell. Uh, I promise I didn't tell him to say that. That was just him being a supportive friend. Um. <laughs> it is true. Like I had, no, I, I, it's like, oh yeah, right. Emerson just dropped a new single. Yeah, yeah, that was that one was a lot of fun. But uh, yes, back to the more important things. If I was living in Wisconsin, I would absolutely vote for Judge Janet. That is my full endorsement of Judge Janet. And um, let's get her done. There, that, there you go. Was that uh, was that too much? No, keep it. Okay. If you don't keep it, I will show up to your house with two baseball bats this time. <laughs> and a nine iron. <laughs> and a nine iron. <laughs> I will triple wield. Don't ask me how. It will be done. Wow. Well, everyone, I uh, hope to be back sometime soon with some uh, more fun... Uh, content that doesn't make Connell uh, exhausted. Thanks, bud. Yeah. And uh, that, that's all I got. All right. That's, that's a good end, I think. Cool.